welcome to the Everyday Neuro podcast series. I'm your host, Dr. Janine Cooper, and I'm aiming to provide you with knowledge and inspiration into understanding the fascinating world of the human brain. Whether you already have some experience or this is the start of your journey into exploring the human brain, then the Everyday Neuro podcast series has something to offer you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the next 15 to 20 minutes of discovering all about the human brain. Each of the Everyday Neuro podcasts has its own show notes, which you can find on the podcast page of the everydayneuro.com.au website. Today's podcast is going to be about the beneficial effects that physical exercise can have on our brain functions. And for some people, it may even act as preventative or disease-modifying treatment for dementia. I hope you'll agree that this is a really interesting topic and all the research is helping to support the older adult population. So let's discuss in more detail. As we all know, aging is inevitable. I certainly know that I'm starting to notice the effects of age, not just physically, but also sometimes I feel a little bit more tired than I used to. Perhaps I'm not remembering everything that I used to either, which can be a little bit disconcerting. But the good news is that we can use certain techniques and strategies to help us as we age to enhance some of those functions that do naturally sort of decline with increasing age. One such strategy might be to do more physical exercise as more and more research is being published that provides evidence to suggest that the more physical exercise that we do in our midlife, the better our cognitive performance may be in later life. So today I'm going to go over this literature, kind of summarize it for you. Hopefully this will help us to get a really good idea of what type of physical exercise is probably most beneficial and also what might happen to the mechanisms in our brain when we do physical exercise that leads to this improvement in cognitive abilities. But first of all, I think it's best to talk about what types of changes do occur with normal or typical healthy aging. So not all cognitive domains are affected equally by age. Some of them may be due to changes that occur in sensation, such as hearing and vision. But others are due to changes that occur naturally within the structure of the human brain. So let's start, first of all, on a very positive note. What kind of cognitive functions are actually preserved as we get older? Crystallized intelligence. What exactly does that mean? Well, older adults are very, very good at defining words, answering questions, relying on their general knowledge, detecting spelling errors, information that is attached to core knowledge. Another area that can sometimes improve is actually motion regulation. Some older adults show lower rates of depression compared to younger adults and also the good mood that they're in often lasts for longer. Of course, this isn't for all older adults, but over the course of studies that have looked at this, we often see that these are the types of cognitive functions that remain stable, if not better, compared to younger adults. One of the benefits of aging, of course, is 
that you develop so much more life experience that you can use to your advantage. You can make decisions based on maybe things you've done in the past or changing things that you may have done incorrectly that you can now use to your benefit. Have a chat with an older adult if you're a younger person because they can offer you so much information that you may not be able to get from a peer or somebody who is of a similar generation. Older age is defined usually uh, from the age of about 65 onwards and of course as we age we do have some functional loss. One of these areas is processing speed. So the speed at which we're able to process thoughts within our minds. Studies have found that actually many of the changes that occur in our cognitive function as we get older are due to these changes or declines in processing speed and they can either be at a motor level, so physically moving, or also at this cognitive level, so your ability to think on your feet, so to speak. If we imagine that the speed at which we can actively process information in our thinking mind is slowed, then of course this will increase the time between the mental operations that we can make. And due to a slower speed of processing, this may lead to a poorer ability to take in information or encode information and also reduce the ability to store that information. And so we do see a change in memory performance for many older adults. Regardless of your age, I'm sure you'll understand when I describe the idea of the tip of the tongue effect, that problem when a person can't quite access the word's meaning. Well, this increases as we get older. And also we use pronouns a lot more because we can't find the actual sort of name of a person. It might be he or she. Also, we find that the links that connect different pieces of information also start to become a little less efficient. Although we might see a decline in our detailed recollection of memories, what we will find is that we've still got really good access to facts that we've acquired across the lifespan. So now that we've considered uh, very briefly the changes that occur with typical aging, how can being involved in physical exercise help to stall this kind of aging process. Before I talk about the literature that is currently available on the benefits of physical exercise, I want to try and define to you what is considered the regular exercise that you need to do to help this beneficial process occur. So from here on in, in the podcast, I'm going to be talking about physical exercise as any aerobic physical exercise that is enough to increase the heart rate and provide a need in the human body for oxygen. So when I'm talking about aerobic exercise, I'm thinking of types of exercise that are going to be characterized as cardiovascular fitness. The measurement that's used in many of the studies to show the efficiency of physical exercise is called VO2 max. So what exactly is VO2 max? Well, this is the measurement of how much oxygen in milliliters your body can use per kilogram of body weight per minute. So the more oxygen you use, the higher your VO2 max will be. So now that we know that by 
doing exercise, we're going to increase the amount of oxygen that's entering our bodies, then we need to know what kind of aerobic exercise we can do to make this process happen. There are a whole variety that you can choose from, some of which are probably very familiar, such as walking and jogging. It might be that you do a gym routine. It could be that you um, do a lot of chores around the house. You might be a gardener. Fantastic. That means you can get really sort of out of breath doing the heavy lifting and the digging. All of these things are going to create a need for oxygen, raise the heart rate and allow you to increase this VO2 level. So now that we know that there's a measurement that studies are using, which is VO2, and we also know what kinds of exercises are probably going to be good for increasing that need for oxygen and and therefore allowing us to hopefully have a better level of fitness, then we need to look at the literature and see what that's saying in regards to how beneficial exercise really is on helping our cognitive functions. I'm going to be using the words cognitive abilities quite a lot in this podcast and I just want to recap what this actually means for those of you who are a little bit unsure. One of the techniques I use when I'm teaching to remember what cognition is all about is the acronym PALMT. P-A-L-M-T. It stands for perception, attention, language, memory and thinking. Cognitive abilities also include processing speed, which we talked about at the beginning of this podcast. So it's the time it takes us to mentally process doing a particular task. Now that we know what cognitive abilities refer to, then we also need to know that we have a variety of tests that we can use, which produce scores that allow us to get an idea of how good our cognitive abilities are. To give you an example, it could be that a person is asked to perform a memory assessment whereby they are read aloud a short story and they have to try and recall as many details from that story as they can. This will generate an immediate memory recall score and the score will be compared to other people of a similar age to see exactly how well that person is performing. For those of you who are interested in finding out more about cognitive assessment, then go to the website everydayneuro.com.au and check out the workshop page. Now that you have an understanding about cognitive assessment, I think it's a really nice time in the podcast to actually review what the research is showing us. It also might be a really good time for you to look at the show notes because I've provided the list of authors that have actually been involved in providing us with some really great reviews and are helping to further our understanding of the benefits of doing a higher level of exercise on our cognitive abilities. So if you'd like to go to everydayneuro.com.au, click on the podcast page and you'll find there are a set of show notes for this podcast Okay, so what do the results show? Well, before I go any further, I'd just like to explain to you that many of these studies are what we call randomized control trials or RCTs. An RCT is the most rigorous way of determining if there is a cause and effect relationship between a treatment and the outcome. 
In RCTs, there's often a control group. So it might be a group of older adults who are not doing that much exercise, therefore they have a a low level of activity, versus a treatment group, which would be a group of adults who are perhaps already doing a higher level of exercise in their lives, or that they're given additional exercises. And we look at the difference over a 12-month period. In fact, that's the norm for a lot of the studies that are currently available to us. One of the studies that I've chosen to talk to you about is by Smith and colleagues and was published in 2010. You can find the information if you want to look at this article in more detail in the show notes. Smith and colleagues did a meta-analysis, so they reviewed 29 randomized control trials and they documented that there was a significant cognitive benefit from when adults did what we call sustained exercise. Normally, this just means that you're keeping active for about 15 to 30 minutes. The review by Smith and colleagues showed that of the 29 studies that they reviewed, there was a significant improvement in the areas of memory, attention, processing speed, and something called executive functions. These are the cognitive abilities that allow you to control and regulate your behavior. So it might be something as simple, so you might think, as being able to initiate an action or being able to inhibit something that you don't want to do. It also is the ability to monitor and change behavior as you require it. And also, very importantly, to be able to make future plans. This is also known as prospective memory. Another area of memory that has been found to be enhanced by an increase in exercise in older adults is spatial memory. So that's the ability to sort of spatially orientate yourself within the environment. And we also see that there is an improvement, although very modest, in episodic memory. So your ability to recall events from the past. So this brings me to an area I absolutely love talking about, and that is, well, if there are the changes at the behavioral level, thanks to exercise, what are the changes at that sort of neural functional level? So in other words, what parts of the brain are perhaps being modified or enhanced in their operation by exercise? This is an area that has been reviewed beautifully in an article by Alskog and colleagues. And again, you can find the article information in the show notes at www.everydayneuro.com.au in your podcast section. In the article by Alskog and colleagues, the brain regions that are thought to be associated with the changes that we see in the cognitive abilities of older adults when they're doing exercise are discussed. Once again, these studies are RCTs, so we've got a little bit more assurance that the rigorous protocol has been followed. And as Alskog and colleagues state, the results show that for older adults that were more physically fit, there was fMRI evidence of significantly better cortical connectivity and activation during the times that they were doing the cognitive tasks compared to those older adults that were less physically fit. 
So what do I mean by cortical connectivity? Well, the idea is that there are obviously different parts of the brain and they've all got their own specific functions or they're thought to have associated functions. So that if you increase the connection between those different units of the brain or the cortex, then you're going to see perhaps an increase in efficiency in the tasks that are associated with those areas. So if I go back to an earlier part of this podcast, when I talked about an improvement due to exercise in the spatial memory of older adults, then it's really nice to see that there's actually literature that provides evidence to show a change in the area of the brain that is associated with that spatial memory ability. In a study by Erickson and colleagues from 2011, they looked at the part of the brain called the hippocampus, which is this wonderful structure that is located in an area called the medial temporal lobe. So that you can understand where that is located in the brain, I want you to imagine that you're putting your fingers in your ears and just before your fingers meet, that's where the hippocampi reside. So hippocampi is the plural and the singular because there's one in each of the hemispheres, is the hippocampus. Erickson and colleagues found that when they looked at the hippocampi of older adults that had taken part for a year in sustained exercise, these adults had larger hippocampal volumes than adults that had been taking part for a year in simple toning and stretching exercises. When they also looked at their spatial memory, they found that the older adults that had been in the treatment group doing the sustained exercise had significantly better scores for spatial memory than the control group. So that brings me to the final part of the podcast, which is just to state that the sustained exercise that these studies have been talking about doesn't cover resistance training, but in fact, that's an area that actually needs more investigation. Also of great interest to me, and I hope to you as well, is that physical exercise not only seems to benefit the older adults in terms of their cognitive abilities, but also for people who may develop dementia, whereby physical exercise may even act to prevent or modify the disease. That will be the focus of a future podcast, so please look out for that in iTunes or subscribe so you can have your bi-monthly updates or check out the website everydayneuro.com.au and go to the podcast page. I really hope you've enjoyed the podcast today and next time you're thinking of going for a walk, you might be going for a dance, you might be doing the gardening, you know that this degree of physical activity is not only going to help you today and tomorrow, but also in the long term in regards to your cognitive abilities and your brain connectivity. Thank you for joining me today for this podcast. Should this or any of the other podcasts as part of the Everyday Neuro podcast series spark your interest and make you want to know that little bit more about the human brain and behavior, then why not check out the everydayneuro.com.au website and find out about the wonderful workshops that we have on offer. So farewell from me. Please take really good care of that wonderful brain of yours and I hope you can join me again for another episode of the Everyday Neuro podcast series. Take care.